Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Welcome back to Frictionless Marketing. Michael Gonda is the Chief Communications Officer at McDonald's, a position he's held for the past eight months. Michael is responsible for setting integrated communication strategies that advance the message of the brand and drive business impact in more than 100 markets around the world. He oversees corporate communications, including media relations and financial communications, global public affairs and public policy, issues and crisis management, internal and strategic communications, and communications for McDonald's international operated markets and international development licensee markets. Prior to joining McDonald's, Michael held previous positions at Chobani and Weber Shanwick, and Michael was recently added to PR Week's 2022 Power List. In this conversation with Lippy Taylor CEO, Paul Dyer, Michael gets into why legacy brands need to fight harder for relevance, details about his meteoric leadership rise, and fun anecdotes around the recent McDonald's Indiana sign war. All of this and so much more on today's episode of Frictionless Marketing. Now, without further ado, here is McDonald's CCO, Michael Gonda. So, Michael, let's start out um, with a little bit of a congratulations here, because you were named to PR Week's power list. I think this is the first time you've been named to the list, right? It is. Thank you. I, I mean, it's probably the first and the last. I think it was somewhat circumstantial, but thank you. It was a big honor. Well, I mean, it's obviously rarefied company, and I'm sure it's well-deserved, and we're going to obviously get into um, some of the insights for what it takes to learn land on that list, even if it's only for one year. How's that? <laughs> All right, fair. Um, so you've also, in the last several years, the circumstances you're referencing, you've been promoted several times to now most recently being chief communications officer for McDonald's. So um, kind of what do you, you know, what do you attribute this, this meteoric growth, um, you know, productivity and success you've had to? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's hard to look back on three and a half years, especially the last three and a half years that I think we've all had and um, pinpoint any moment or even think about it as a short period of time. And it feels like it's been, a, I think just being a human on planet earth, it's been, um, you know, a long three and a half years. Um, I, I will say I've been very fortunate at this company and I've been fortunate throughout my career um, to be in situations where I may have a unique skill set that um, benefited the circumstances we were in, and I'll get into that. But but more importantly, I think I've been surrounded by people who are just really, really, really good at what they do. And you know, when I got to McDonald's, and as I've been reminded at kind of every turn, on any given day, if I don't show up, the brand's fine. Um, if the whole team doesn't show up, we need to choose between me and the team. Um, I don't know, brand's not as fine. Uh, and I think just being really conscious of the fact that wherever your role is within a team, your service needs to be for, first and foremost to the team in that business. And, and um, you know, that's certainly what I hope to have been a mark of the last three and a half years. We've navigated things that have been really challenging, some unique to McDonald's, some not. Um, but my role in helping to steward a communications function and really help each member um, of that team find their place, find their value and, and feel included. 
That's great. And, and it's also, you know, you, you mentioned the brand and the brand will be just fine. And um, one of the things you've been quoted as saying is that, you know, your aim is to position McDonald's to be one of the most admired brands in the world. So what does that look like in the 2020s? I mean, is it, has that the definition of being an admired brand, like, is that the same as it used to be when we think of sort of the more traditional reputational metrics? Does it mean something different in this world? I mean, I, th- I think it's one, it's an ambition. So like you want to be regarded as a brand that is at the top of a list of any list, whether that's a fortune list or whether that's, you know, something else as, as a brand that, that truly delivers on its purpose and meets the needs of its stakeholders, customers, first and foremost, for a consumer brand. It helps to have some quantification around it. And for us, that means that the majority of people who we interact with can chiefly our customers um, trust us. That's a very simple proposition. We want the majority of people that interact with us to trust this brand. And what you find when you dig a little deeper for a company like ours is we've got about 40,000 different touch points around the world. And by that, I mean restaurants. So the interactions that people are having with McDonald's brand vast majority are not what they're reading, not even necessarily what they're seeing through paid media. It's what they're experiencing when they walk into one of those 40,000 touch points. I think that needs to be sobering and humbling for anyone who's in a comms and marketing role, because at the end of the day, getting the majority of people to trust the brand means being really focused on what's happening in that restaurant. And that is something that I find when you're looking at a PowerPoint deck or in a strategy session, it can be easy to forget just how important like the last few feet are between walking into a McDonald's restaurant, looking at the menu and having interaction with the person um, either at the, the counter, the kiosk, or at the drive-through. All that said, there are basic expectations in addition to providing a great experience, the quality of the food, order accuracy, cleanliness, all these things that go into that experience are really important. There's a lot of other things that people are looking to from a company today. And for a brand as big as ours, and I think as a brand that has as much legacy and importance as we do in so many of the places where we operate, it can be a little disorienting to figure out what those areas are going to be that you really want to be known for. And when Chris Kemchinski, our CEO, stepped into the role. He really gave permission to the team. I'd say this is beyond just comms, beyond marketing, really looking across the organization. Sarah, well, if we had to prioritize what are the areas that are going to matter most to our stakeholders and our customers. And we got really specific. We got down to four. Um, one was around planet action or climate action, really our commitment to the planet. That's important. More important amongst customers in certain markets like Europe than it may be in um, other markets like in North America. But nevertheless, it is an important proposition for the brand. The second is just our basic role in our community, providing community connection. And that was something that um, captured our Ronald McDonald House charities. It also captured disaster relief. And people are looking to McDonald's to provide not only that third space, but to step up when something happens in their community that is unforeseen. The the third, again, not massively surprising, but really, really, really important 
we are as a brand, a very large employer. Uh, and the premise and proposition around jobs, inclusion and empowerment is really important to our stakeholders. Um, and the last, none of these are in rank order. We kind of think about them as four equally important territories um, is our food quality. And you know that, that, takes, that takes shape in artificial ingredients and how we've done a lot of work over the years um, to reduce that in our menu to our local sourcing. Um, and really what we do to support farmers um, in our, in our three-legged stool um, across suppliers, um, company, and franchisees. So those are like four areas that we can say, all right, we want to run hard at that. And it's not to say that other causes aren't important, other topics aren't important, but they're not as authentic and central to the McDonald's brand. And I would say as we look at how we're driving admiration, in addition to that restaurant experience, those are four areas that we've now across the world in every single market, more than 100, we've said, okay, those are the four that we want the McDonald's brand to become famous for. You used a word as you were kind of um, introducing, you know, the whole concept there of your four areas, which was disorienting. And it's something that I feel like a lot of people in our industry, in particular, those that are sitting in seats similar to yours are struggling with right now is um, where PR communications used to be referred to as the conscience of the company. And it sort of felt almost like a finger wagging kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like PR comms were there to wag the finger at the, the business people that didn't care. Now it's very different, right? All the business people care, but they, they don't know where they're supposed to be oriented towards. You know, it's like, how do I prioritize between all the different things we could be doing to give back or to help improve the, you know, the lives of our stakeholders or, you know, whatever it is. And that, that being disoriented feels like a really common thread in a lot of conversations we're having today. Um, so I'm curious, first of all, you know, cause you described that as being a CEO led prioritization of those four areas. Um, you know, kind of what was the role of communications in helping shape that prioritization? And then how are you getting input from your stakeholder groups to say like, you know, look, this is the thing that really matters to employees versus franchisees versus, you know, et cetera. Like, how are you, how are you helping orient? Yeah. Um, I mean, fortunately, and this could be circumstantial and, you know, in terms of various events over the last few years, like fortunately we had a very significant seat at the table. We were driving the work um, and we were doing that in partnership with um, other leaders and certainly with other stakeholders, internal and external. But um, we had an opportunity, and, and, and I, I do think of it as we, it's me and members of the team, to really help drive that at the outset of re-articulating the business strategy. And if you look at McDonald's business strategy today, um, it's, not, it's not a business strategy and then adjacency talking about our mission, or our purpose, or our values. They're all very intentionally packaged together. Um, and uh, we, again, we, we, we had to figure out what would be the most essential, critical areas that the business couldn't ignore. And I think what that requires is some restraint from a comms team to not just chase the topic or the cause that we think might get the most attention in a given day but really thinking long-term. When you set these strategies up, they have to live for a while. It's not just about the news cycle that you're operating in or the quarter or the event that you're operating. They have to really have endurance and be able to sustain. And 
you know, for us, that meant getting a little bit more restrained and not feeling the urgency and the need to stand for every cause. And I, again, that I don't think that that's revelatory for a lot of folks, particularly those that are working with larger brands that are often getting pulled into different topics. But I think we, we, that was a bit of an epiphany for us. Like, there's a lot of important things out there. There's not necessarily a lot of important things that McDonald's absolutely cannot ignore. Um, that's when you start to find, I think, some, some real focus. And, uh, you know, there, there's like this, I think, tension right now between being data-driven and data-obsessed. When it comes to exercises like this, you need to kind of, you need to prove it. You need to say, okay, this is not, like, this isn't just like, my opinion, because of my X number of years in the field or the experiences I've had, whatever, I need to be able to really prove it and prove it with rigor, particularly for a global brand. And that is where research does help. And being able to say, you know, we've, we've, we've rigorously gone and listened and understood what's taking place in the external landscape. And we've really, really gotten close to our stakeholders to understand where they feel the McDonald's brand um, must, must, must show up. And that's how we've arrived at, 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 um, at these areas. And I would say that the, in addition to the rigor, it's also, I mean, we're a human business like many, I mean, it, we, we think about McDonald's in like these almost like hyperbolically large terms, but the reality is we're a collection of a lot of people and going to various individuals and saying, Hey, this is our thought here. This is what we're trying to do. This is how we're going about it. And these are some of the outcomes. And by the way, what do you think? What have we gotten wrong? And whether you're talking to someone who may be perceived as kind of lower in the ranks in Poland or higher in the ranks in Australia or running everything in Latin America, it was a big learning for me, to be honest, coming into a larger organization of just how important those conversations are to really slow down and bring people along on the journey. Um, and it wasn't something that I ever had to do previously because I was at a much smaller company before and um, I was at an agency before that. And when you're at an agency, you have the great permission to come in and provide expertise, um, provide a point of view, and oftentimes kind of sometimes leave before the decision gets made um, and you find out what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it sounds like, some, it sounds like something you learned quickly um, in your time at one of the largest brands in the world. But I love the emphasis. You've come back to it several times. You referred to the last feat you know, at one point, um, and sort of that on the ground frontline worker type of um, the real experience that most people are getting when they experience the brand. Um, so let's, let's talk about something that's been in the news recently. So very recently, there has been a sign war in Missouri between a McDonald's and a Dairy Queen, right? And it's kind of gotten to like, it's definitely running away with its own sort of like, uh, it's got its own life here, right? This sign war uh, where the, the different stores are posting, you know, funny comments back and forth between them. Um, so it's felt like a real local effort, but I'm curious, you know, is this something that you, where you sit, like, do you get involved in something like that? Do you offer some governance over something like that? Or do you, do you help you know, give it extra life. Like uh, when something like that happens, like where's the comms function, you know, in all of this? We've had a war room for the past 13 months set up waiting for this moment to come. We've been planning this. Every single photo, every letter on the sign has been tortured. We had scenario plans. We had research going into it. 
Um, the reality is that the, I mean, the, these ideas manifest pretty organically, yeah, um, as you yeah. pretty locally. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, somewhat of a spectator on it. Um, I love the picture of a 13 month war room though, to, to land on the <laughs> sign in, you know, small town, Missouri, like, <laughs> I feel like that can almost be as believable as the reality. Um, uh, but no, I mean, it, it, listen, it, it's always fascinating to see what captures people's attention. Um, because to be honest with you, I think if there was a war room set up around that, it probably, it, it, the idea may not have landed with the same impact um, that the organic version right. has. Um, but no, I mean that that's that's been yeah that that again that that was just a, a a local phenomenon so to speak. But I I do think it it presents an interesting question. It's one that I've struggled with a little bit with a with a, a brand as large as this one. It's like where where does it make sense for the brand to show up and talk and how do you do that in a way that feels authentic and relatable, um, but also befitting of whatever brand you're working with? And I, I do think that wherever you are in the like life stage of the brand, every brand at some point starts out as a challenger. And I think you have certain permissions. I think once you start to move into a leadership position, the expectations, the tolerance changes. And I, I don't think we're a very good brand when it comes to like punching down. Um, that's just not it just doesn't feel authentic to us. And I think it, it doesn't really sit well with people. So we kind of, we, we tend to stay away from that entirely. Um, our, our U.S. social team um, has, I think over the last couple of years, done a, just an amazing job at really captivating that voice or capturing that voice and capturing people's attention. Um, because it, it just, it feels like, and it is driven by people who are fans of the brand. And they're talking to other fans of the brand. And it's just, it's kind of on any given day, it's really interesting to see how that how that shows up. And um, on our corporate channels, we tried to you know, really learn from that as well. Um, we, 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 and again, Chris has been a, a big champion for this as is, you know, our global CMO or US CMO. It's not, it's not really about having like a corporate brand and a consumer brand. At the end of the day, it is McDonald's. And um, However, we show up. We need to. We need to do so in a way that kind of feels like you're dealing with the same brand. Whether it's something is more mundane and run of the mill as an earnings report, or if it's something as interesting as you know National Friday, um, we 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 really do think a lot about how what our tone is and what our voice is and kind of where we have a responsibility to to engage. You're, you're opening up all kinds of doors that I had notes and things here I wanted to ask you questions about. So one of them, of course, is the quote unquote corpsumer thing, right? We're corporate and consumer blending together. Um, but then the other is this idea of being a market leader versus a challenger brand. And you've worked at two extraordinary examples of you know, companies where the, the corporate brand and the sort of consumer brand are the same in Chobani and um, McDonald's but in completely different market positions, right? Chobani being sort of the, um, the, the, one of the best examples of a challenger brand, challenging this duopoly between Yoplait and Dannon and, you know, and then McDonald's, of course, the exact opposite, like the most entrenched market leader that you could probably picture, right? So I'm curious, like there are stereotypes that spring to mind when you think about entrenched market leaders, challenger brands, you know, et cetera. Is there any truth in that, first of all, you know, in terms of the way that they operate, the way people act inside of them? And then, you know, how does the market position of the brand or the company change the way you approach the work? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think back to to Shabani, and we had an awareness opportunity. Like, I mean, even if people in certain markets across the U.S. were aware of the brand, the vast majority of people were not. And I mean, which is a true statement. Most people, if you went and surveyed, just didn't know about the brand. So we knew that awareness was our commercial opportunity. And that meant figuring out ways to capture people's attention, whether that was, I mean, things like, I, I remember doing a pumpkin spice latte, limited time offering like lift drop, where like people could order, like order a cup of yogurt via lift. This was way I mean, this was 2014, I think. And like, it was fun and, and, and it, it provided an opportunity for us to just get more awareness. Um, to your point, McDonald's does not, and I don't think ever will have an awareness problem, um, particularly just with the physical infrastructure that we have around the world. We will always need to fight for relevancy. And that that is certainly true as new generations come into the fold and new things are important to them. And this brand remains relevant, not just for the generation that started with the brand when we were a challenger almost seven years ago, but the generation that's going to help carry the brand for you know the next decade, two decades, seven decades. And I think that the, the path to relevancy can be very, I think, fraught because it gets back to the, what we were talking about. You, you want to just start chasing different things and you can get quickly distracted both on the product side, but also um, the reputation and purpose side of the house. I think it, it, it requires um, a lot of rigor and understanding around the world what people are truly wanting from the brand and then figuring out the actions that deliver on that and then the communications that amplify it. And that I think is the difference between kind of, yeah, challenger versus entrenched leader. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, and I think you captured it really nicely, actually. And, and then where you, where you took us at the end was this idea about actions versus communications and how commu- communications role is to amplify the actions, which, you know, my mind immediately goes when I hear that to this idea of earned creative, right? Where creative was historically something that was more about what are we going to say? You know, what's the message, you know, in the medium, et cetera. Um, and now earned creative, obviously kind of rising to prominence, not just in the PR industry, but the larger you know, advertising landscape as well, is much more about what are we going to do as opposed to what are we going to say? Um, curious, are there any examples that stand out to you of, of that? How do you feel about earned creative as a philosophy in general? Or you know, is it, is it something that you think is really better suited for the smaller challenger brands as opposed to the McDonald's of the world? No, I, I, I think it, I think it absolutely, especially for, for relevancy, um, is essential for, for, for us. And I'd say, I, not to speak for other large brands, but imagine that they would also feel the same, the same way. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one of the things that we have really tried to get our kind of our hands around um, in the last couple of years is. There's this tension between like, are you going to be known as the communications team that drives the actions or drives or just the messaging vehicle for it? And I think it's like a, a pretty lame forced choice. I think it's a I think it's an and not an or. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of power in telling a story and telling it very, very, very well. And whether you're talking about a film or 
piece of creative about a brand on TV or just the stories that are coming out from the own channels. I mean, there's a lot of power in storytelling. And I, I, I don't think that that is in any way a subjugation of the communications function to say like, we wanna be really, really, really good at telling incredibly relevant stories for this brand. And at the same time, and this is the end, informing the actions that are going to enable us to continue to grow as a brand and bolster reputation and, and stay relevant for, for consumers. So I know that there's a lot of debate and, and even I'll say when, when I've spoken with people in this job who've tried to give me advice, like, well, do you wanna just be the messaging arm or do you wanna be responsible for the actions? And again, I, I wanna do both, but I don't want that in any way to be a diminishment of the fact that I think brands need really, really, really good storytellers. And I think that communicators um, have a lot of, you know, a lot of fertile territory to keep going on that. I think that's, I think that's great insight. And, and a lot of people listening here would agree. Um, so there's something that you've, you've raised a couple of times and kind of like a different direction here for a few minutes, which is, yeah. which is the global nature, you know, of, of certainly McDonald's, but also your own experience. And if I'm correct, you actually worked from China for a year. Is that right? Just about, yeah, a little under. Yeah. And, and so I guess, here we are in this world where everybody's gone remote, you know? Um, and so my question for you really is, um, how did your experience working globally, internationally, outside the US and China in particular, but how did your experience um, shape your global perspective? And could you have gotten that same perspective without having physically been on the ground there? I think the, the lasting impact that it's had is that it, it forces you to keep disconfirming your own thinking. I think it's really easy to sit in the same office, work for the same brand, touch similar issues and start to become really entrenched and like, no, this is the way, let's just push it through. And then when you try to put yourself back into that position where you were based in X city, in my case, Beijing, you start to be like, well, hold on, would it have landed as well? If I was sitting in that seat right now and I was the recipient of this decision, how would I feel about that? And what I feel is able to execute as um, as maybe you know, if that decision were birthed out of this office. And I, I think that that is the most important lesson that I learned. It's like to constantly disconfirm your own thinking. I would say I'm on a journey with this one. You know, ever since I've been at McDonald's, I mean, we had a big black hole of time due to the pandemic where it just it, you know, it made it impossible to be getting out there as as I would have hoped, meeting with teams and 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 really helping me disconfirm my own thinking. It's something that I'm really excited about for the rest of this year. And, you know, as we move forward in a, I don't know what we're calling it now, the next normal. Um, but nevertheless, I think there's airplanes involved. Um, and, and I just, I think it's essential. And I, it's something that I'm reminded of too, from people that I really respect at this company, that no matter what you think sitting in Chicago, um, it'll always be shaped and informed by taking that same premise, that same idea, that same predilection and, torturing it in a different market. And really, it kind of goes back to how we came up with this leadership platform that I was talking about, these four areas. Like it got strengthened by, by exposing it to people who had very different points of view, who weren't just, you know, using their key card in and out of our headquarters every day. That's that's great. And I think it's also something that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to remember that sometimes, especially when you're sitting in the agency seat, you know, as you said before, and, and you're not necessarily living it on the ground. So it's a good reminder for all of our agency colleagues as well. 
Um, so with that, one final question for you here is just, um, you know, I think we were talking about this before we jumped on, you know, you've gotten to this really, really sort of coveted position, right? You're chief communications officer for a major global brand. You've made a lot of great moves along the way. Um, what would your advice be to others um, that aspire to follow in that sort of a path or to, you know, find themselves in a similar seat someday? I mean, I, I, um, I started out at, at an agency and was really lucky to have people giving me advice early on um, and serving as real mentors to me. And I did not deserve that sort of attention at all. Um, but I, I, I think back to some of the things that they advised me on. And it was, I mean, they were the basics, like bring a pad to every meeting, take vigorous notes. But there was also a real refrain of like, just keep doing the right thing. Like the, 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 there, will, there will be these moments where, you know, can it be seemingly small or seemingly large, but just like do the right thing. There is value in, in, in maintaining integrity and that will be noticed and recognized. And I, I, that's not to say that in our industry or in kind of professional settings writ large, there's a vacuum of that. But I, I do think that we often, we often just forget how important it is, or maybe we, um, we overlook sometimes in our discussions about like, success and being able to have different coveted roles like just how important that integrity is and I, I, again I, I was just really lucky to get that hammered into me right out of the gate um and and so i i, I would say among, before anything else that was something that um that i've really i really tried to to think about on a daily basis like am you know how am i really bringing my personal integrity to the table um you know it 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 just also requires saying that like back to the beginning, you can't believe your own glory. Um, if I, again, if I leave this place right now, we will not sell a single less burger or fry. Um, and I just think it's really important for all of us to keep taking stock of the fact that we work on teams. Our job is to make that team effective to support the business. And that team is essential to the business. Like I don't, if the Collins function at McDonald's all of a sudden had a power outage, I don't think that the brand would be totally okay. Um, um, but I just, I, I try to really go back to that, to that worldview and that orientation of like, my job here is to make sure that this team is set up to be successful and the rest will kind of follow. I think that's, I mean, those are two amazing, you know, reminders, um, you know, personal integrity and, and the importance of the team. Um, so I have to ask, as our final closing comment here, um, do you have any? Do you have young kids? Yes, two okay. young kids. You two, two and two. Okay, so I have a five and a three year old. And okay. So I've become um, known now for quoting Frozen Two, um, <laughs> somewhat frequently. With um, and I think this really encapsulates what you were saying. Um, you know, which is whenever the the problem or the challenge feels really unwieldy, you know, you just got to do the next right thing. Hmm. And um, so, I, you know, I, 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 that's what was coming to mind as you were talking about um, that constant reminder, you know, every step, your personal integrity is really important. Um, and it also comes down to your decision making, right? Like you just got to do the next right thing. So yeah. um, okay. anyways, well, I, now, um, now you'll get that stuck in your head for the rest of the day. So you're yeah. welcome for that. I'm sure that this weekend we will have Frozen 2 on the agenda. So I'll be, I'll be studying 
uh, that line. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, thank you very much for joining us, for sharing your time and your insights. Um, I know that people are going to really enjoy listening and, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R and on Twitter at the same handle. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.